Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. I have certainly asked him for a fresh anointing upon me and upon you tonight. Amen. I'm thankful to be in his presence. Thankful to be in his house. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse number 1, Acts 8 and 1, And Saul was consenting unto his death, and at that time there was great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. I think that's important, at least for our study tonight, to get that, except the apostles. And devout men, it's almost as though the camera is shining on one story and then it pans to a different story of devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. And then the camera kind of comes back. But for Saul, we go back to the persecution at Jerusalem. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they, that were, therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. Amen. Preaching the word. I'm thankful for the word of God. Yes. Amen. His word. Praise the Lord. It doesn't really matter to me what the vehicle is. If it's a song that his word comes to me in, a psalm. If it's, if it's just the preaching, the teaching of the word, or just reading through the word of God. There's something powerful about the word. Amen. I know that I'm not alone. I really feel like I'm not alone when I can tell you that many of us have had a word from God that just became that factor of buoyancy in our spirit that rescued us. Amen. It held us, and I'm thankful for the word of God. Amen. God bless you, and you can be seated. Let's make a journey together, shall we? The mission statement uh, for the United Pentecostal Church has long been the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. I wanted to use that as my title tonight, but I felt like it would probably take up the whole screen. So I'm just going to talk about the whole gospel this evening. But just know I'm talking about the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. And so we picked up tonight reading in Acts 8 and 1. But if we were to just dial back a little bit and go back to Acts 7. Acts chapter 7 ends with a horrific story of the stoning of a man by the name of Stephen. Not ever a mention of Stephen in scripture that there is not an identifying factor that says full of the Holy Ghost. And so here is Stephen, a man whose life was marked and identified for the ages as a man in his prime, in the zenith of his ministry, he is what we would think struck down. He is stoned 
and he is carried away. The Bible says that devout men carried Stephen. When I read that again this afternoon, just one more time before coming to this pulpit, I began to think about devout men carrying a devout man. A man that wouldn't bend, a man that wouldn't bow, a man that did not curse his enemies, and he did not curse his God in the face of death. But instead, he looked and beheld, amen, the power and the, the arm of God and his strength and his power and his majesty as he was leaving this life. What a tremendous testimony. The Bible says that he was preaching with such passion that people rose up against him. The Bible says they gnashed on him with their teeth. And there's a little controversy about exactly what that may mean. But maybe they just snarled at him. Whether they did that or went all the way to biting him, who knows. But nevertheless, there was such animosity in the crowd because of his preaching that they gnashed on him with their teeth. But the Bible says also that they tried to close their ears. They tried to muffle what Stephen was saying. But I'm going to tell you, you can stop your ears, but you can't stop the truth. And the truth is what he was preaching. So then we come to the opening verse of chapter number 8. And it is here that the Bible says that Saul was consenting unto his death. Talking about Stephen. That Saul was consenting unto the death of Stephen. And then verse number 4 ends with these words. That they were scattered abroad and went everywhere preaching the word. So here is this moment of incredible confusion. We might say. uh, To say the least. In in the midst of all this confusion in the church. God was doing something significant. And I don't think that should be lost to us. And I don't believe tonight, I'm not on any illusion that I'm the first one to ever point this out to anybody that's in this house. But I believe that God was expanding the reach of the church like never before. That was not the last time that God would do such a thing. While I have never been a person to abuse the use of salt at least that's my testimony I must tell you that I like salt on my food and uh, a few nights ago my wife and I were invited to attend a wedding and then a wedding reception to follow and we were seated at a rather large round table and uh, the first item that was served naturally was a salad we were sitting there with some friends that we knew that was between us But they were introducing us for the first time to a whole family of friends that we had never met until until this time. And uh, so we were sitting there, and I I was mixing my salad all together, and and, uh, I could see what looked like about 25 yards from me was the salt shaker right in front of all these strangers. And I knew that I was probably going to need some salt, but I thought, you can do this. (laughs) So I took one bite, and then I took another, and then I realized I'm just not going to be able to put this off. I hated to interrupt them because it seemed like I was a mile away from that little salt shaker, but I had to ask them to pass the salt. I didn't need much. It didn't require me taking the lid off of it, dumping the content. I just needed a little because I knew that little would make the entire difference to that that bowl of salad. We've all been there, right? And that we just needed that. I think we've also 
can understand that we don't just need salt and fancy containers, although we have several of those in our home, I'm sure. But it's, it's more than that. It's not just something that's beautiful. We realize that salt is an agent of change, and it really will make a huge difference, especially regarding our food. It would be a shame to have salt and not be able to use it. But again, I think that's a place we've all been before. Maybe you've been there in that restaurant when you needed the salt shaker and, and for whatever reason it was moist on the top, condensation in the room or whatever it may have been, and you couldn't get anything out. And uh, it was just there. It was full of salt. All the answer that you needed was right there. But the trouble and the, the, the real challenge was going to be navigating how to get the salt from where it is to where it should be and where it needs to be. And I'll go further to say that where it was designed to be. And if we're not careful, we can allow this, the atmosphere that we live in to do the very same thing to us. Amen. I'm thankful to be baptized in Jesus' name and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And I'm thankful that I'm not in this house alone. I'm glad this evening that we're here with other people that can have the same testimony, that you've got your own testimony of wherever you were when the Lord changed your heart. But if we're not careful, the truth that we hold in our heart and the light that I've been preaching about the last few services that is in our spirit, if we're not careful, the atmosphere around us can clog the pores of our spirit and not allow us to give out the seasoning that the Lord called us to give. In our text, we see the process by which God greatly expanded the ministry reach of the early church. I believe the central truth of this passage is that the primary purpose of the church is to propagate the gospel. It is to share the good news with those that don't know that. The passage begins with a crisis. It begins with Saul uh, consenting to the death of Stephen. It, 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 begins, it begins with a, an honest and an innocent man that was just doing what God had called him to do. It, call, it begins with his death and, and devout men carrying him to his burial. And all the while, this funeral procession is going on. And it's why I pause and just kind of pan us back and forth. That while the funeral procession was going on, while devout men were carrying this devout man to his final resting place, the Bible says that Saul was wreaking havoc upon the church. Not words used lightly, but he was wreaking havoc upon the church. The passage begins with a crisis, but it ends with the furtherment of the gospel. It ends with the gospel being preached further than it would have ever been preached had it not been for the crisis at hand. Amen. It ends with multitudes of people propagating this truth. And so I pray often that for me and for us as a church that the Lord would allow us to sense the heartbeat of the Spirit in this day and the hour in which we live because if we are going to live out biblical Christianity in this secular society then we have to seriously evaluate our commitment to be a witness because that's what God called us to do. I'm so thankful for the various giftings within the church and I'm certainly appreciative of the various giftings that God has placed in this church. 
But I will tell you that those giftings that whatever we may title them or call them and ever how they're exercised, there is a gifting that comes first and foremost of all those other things that we may do and that is that God has called us to be a witness. And so with that foundation, I want us to look at this text this evening with fresh eyes. And so it begins and we find the church, we find a healthy church, a prosperous church, a balanced church in Jerusalem. But the problem is, is that they were only in Jerusalem. And so God, through his work and through his people rather, had done a great work there. A very good church. Thousands of people, no doubt, had heard the gospel and there was nothing wrong with the church because this church was doing what God had called them to do. The salt had been spread all over Jerusalem, effectively reaching into the heart, the homes of many people there. But now Jerusalem was becoming that clogged vessel. It has all of this truth. It has all of these preachers and all of these workers. So the Lord did something to shake them and to shake their world. Maybe some would say it was a divinely appointed crisis. However, in this one act, the gospel was spread to regions that had never before heard it. Just a few years ago, we experienced a worldwide pandemic that truly affected our lives. And I speak with great deference to anyone here in this service or anybody joining us online and to anybody who had friends or family that was affected negatively. And we lost friends and we lost family members and community leaders, world leaders, nation lead, national leaders, state leaders, community leaders were far and wide trying to figure out the best path for us forward. We remember those phone calls. We remember the news and how it unfolded in your life and world. We remember it was hard to wrap your mind around some of the things that were being mandated in a moment of time. Just give us two weeks and this should be contained. It will be all right. And so I think that we all went into that with a pretty open mind that we can do almost anything for two weeks, but we didn't realize that those weeks would turn to months and months would turn to years. But everybody was trying to figure out the best path forward. We have spoken about this a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but almost every preacher overnight became a televangelist, whether you wanted to or not. Churches all around the world were forced online with their services, and we, like many others, weren't really prepared for that initial move. We gathered in the youth room of our annex, and we were using a camera that wasn't even designed to do what we were trying to get it to do because you couldn't get any equipment. It all just went overnight. However, we set out to stay connected with our church family because that was in our heart as the leaders of the church. We've got to keep our church family together. We, we don't want to be disconnected and discombobulated in the process of all this. That was our initial goal was to stay connected to one another. As a matter of fact, some of you may have even, uh, maybe even remember that even uh, in those earlier services, after the service, we would have uh, a Zoom meeting and we kind of met in a virtual foyer and everybody that was joining us and we would just spend a few minutes in fellowshipping with one another, fellowshipping online. <laughs> it was awkward, it was odd, it was out of the box, but it was so good to see one another's face and to hear one another's voice. However, 
in the process of all of this, the law of unintended consequences, was the fact that the church was getting exposure like never before, not just our church, but the church. I've received so many compliments from that time, actually until right now, concerning our services of people that have yet to ever step through the doors of this church, but they rarely, according to them, ever miss one of our services online. And so that's not to underestimate or certainly not to devalue the trauma that many people suffer during this season. But in this crisis we were experiencing, we would live long enough to realize that God was going to weave into this crisis a silver lining. That somewhere the, the gospel was going to get out who would have ever known or dreamed. And so what it looked like in the beginning was that the church, as many as well as many other things, we're in the church business and we're talking about church tonight, but the church was closed and the doors were locked and it seemed like the message was placed under a bushel. But in truth, the message got out and it reached further than it was ever reaching one week before this ever took place. It pressed us outside of the walls like never before. Amen. That's what God can do in what we call a crisis. And it was indeed, and it, did, and it did affect many lives. But as a result of the persecution that came upon the church in Jerusalem, the Bible says there were those that were scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria. And so I want to look at just a few things tonight about this divinely appointed crisis that was going on in Jerusalem. I believe that first we should see the providential hand of God. And I know there are times we look around and we think, how could God be in this? Where could the hand of God be in whatever's going on in my life right now? And I will tell you that I've asked that question enough for everybody in this room about things that I've gone through so you can feel completely comfortable to say amen. amen. We've all been right there. Where is God? How could God be in this? Where could the hand of God be so wonderfully woven into this that we're going to see and be able to make any sense of this? However, many of us have lived long enough and experienced enough things that in the middle of that valley, when it seemed all hope was gone, we came out and were able to look back and see that indeed God's hand was right where it should have been and he was holding my hand now navigating us through every mile of the way. Amen. We need to see that providential hand of God. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He did not say that it would stay in Jerusalem. He said the gospel is going to be spread to Judea, Samaria, and finally it is going to reach into all the earth, the uttermost part of the earth. However, in this moment, in this moment we have captured for us in Acts 8, the church seemingly was stuck in Jerusalem. And so God said, I'm going to shake things up a little bit and we're going to move people out of the regions of this city. And just like the situation in our text, I believe there are situations that happen in our life 
what we may call a crisis, what we may deem a hardship, and it truly may be. I'm not trying to minimize anything. We may go through and have gone through some difficult times, but we need to understand one thing, that we're serving a God that orders our steps. Amen, the steps of a good man. Amen, that's not gender specific. The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I stand where I stand because God has ordered my steps and we aren't left to the whimsical winds of time and we're not left to the whimsical winds of circumstance but we are here for such a time as this amen oh how we have felt how can we hold up and how can we stand but the hand of the Lord just seemingly keeps us having done all to stand we just stand however there are times there are times in our lives that, that God has to nudge us in order for us to move forward. I would submit to you that in my own life, I'll talk about me. Hopefully I won't offend myself, but I'll talk about me tonight. There are times that God has to just stir the nest in order for me to move because we're creatures of habit. And we're certainly creatures of comfort. And that's why we got to be careful how we difficult, some difficult situations, how we view rather difficult situations in our life. We may see no purpose. We may see no rhyme or no reason, but God always moves with purpose. To be sure, I'm not trying to explain away any pain that you've experienced or to minimize that, but I have found that in difficult seasons of my own life, that the Lord was seeking to speak to me about something and he was trying to get my attention. And sometimes I'm just so busy serving him that I'm not listening to him. Amen. You can find yourself in that statement if you will, but so busy serving him that I'm not always listening to him. And sometimes I've got to remember that God is not always as interested in my comfort as he is interested in me doing his will. I need you to do what I've sent you to do and called you to do. I've got to be conformed to his image, to his image. And God leads us in that way individually. And God leads us in that way corporately. And I wish, I wish somehow tonight that we could just keep that dual split screen in our mind. Because God not only talked, I'm not only talking about what God can do for us individually, but what God does for us corporately. There are times we individually go through seasons of our lives with a great sense of uncertainty. But I would also submit to you that there are times that we can collectively, corporately walk through seasons of uncertainty. And it's in that that time. Amen. When Job said, I can't seem to find him, but I'm still going to trust him. I've got to put my anchor down. I've got to, I've got to wish, Lord, amen, in a better day. I've got to put my hope and my trust and my confidence in you. Amen. This is a snapshot of what we see in our text. God had a purpose in allowing this crisis to come to Jerusalem. And that purpose was to scatter these individuals throughout the region around Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about this. I'm certainly not submitting this as fact or new doctrine, but I just wonder many times if God hadn't spoken to somebody in Jerusalem about Judea. 
and about Samaria. If God hadn't reminded them about that word that said you're going to receive power after that the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I'm just wondering in my own spirit if there were not families, if there were not individuals that were in Jerusalem enjoying this great revival, warming their hands over this hot fire that God had going on in Jerusalem and somewhere in the stillness of the night, Brother Williams, somebody didn't hear Samaria. Samaria. But they were just trying to turn up the volume of life enough that they didn't hear it. Kind of trying to do what those were doing to Stephen. We'll just clog our ears. We'll just, we'll just stop. We'll just stop up our ears and we won't hear this message. And maybe God was dealing with somebody about Judea or Samaria and they were not hearing his word. I know that through the years since this happened many years ago. I've used this illustration, but I use it tonight because it pierced my heart then, and it did, and it does now. I don't remember when, and sadly, I don't even remember the missionary's name. But I do remember some years ago we had a missionary, and they were in their forties, and they were settled in into the church where they were working, and they were settled in on their jobs, and and then just life was set for them, or so they thought. And God began to deal with them about a country over. Overseas, and they were not—they were not missionaries. They—they they, were—they were in a church that was missions-minded, but they were not missionaries. And and the missionary that night stood behind this very desk. And he said, I kept in prayer asking the Lord, why? Why me? Why are you sending me? Why, why didn't you send somebody else? And over and over, he just pled with the Lord in prayer. And he said, the Lord finally spoke to him and said, I'm sending you because you're the first one who responded. You're the first one who said yes. You remember that. You're the first one who said yes. And so when I think about that and I think about this story, I just have to wonder if God wasn't storing some families about Judea and God wasn't stirring some families about Samaria. And God wasn't stirring some families about, uh, about cities beyond and regions beyond the uttermost part of the earth. But we're just too happy here. We don't want to hear that word. We're just enjoying ourselves here. And the Lord said, I'm going to shake this church. I'm going to shake them. Amen. I'm going to shake them. Why? Because we got to get the gospel out. I want to tell you tonight. Amen. I want the Lord to use us mightily. But I want to be obedient to his voice. Hallelujah. I want to be obedient to his prompting. I want the Lord to help me to realize that salt is only good if you use it. It's only effective if you use it. And so I want to use what the Lord has given us. Amen. This was part of God's plan. It was to use the church to reach the world. He couldn't leave them in Jerusalem while lost people were outside the region of Jerusalem and they needed the gospel. And so God has called the church to do a great work. And I think it is imperative to understand that leaders alone cannot accomplish the work of God. It is imperative. It is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. And so that's why we need to see that it was just a certain one a certain faction of people that were scattered abroad. I pause in my text and ask you to remember something. The Bible says that they were all scattered 
except the apostles. They were all scattered except the apostles. They were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And I believe that God was trying to make a point that the apostles cannot do this work alone. And I just want to pause here tonight and tell you that if you're a part of this church or anybody that's a part of any other church, that the leaders can't do this by themselves. This is not a one-man band. This is not a few people's show. This is not just for us to, to entertain the troops. No, no, no. I believe that God is saying that if the world is going to be reached, then the ministry of the apostles has got to be multiplied. Amen. It would be multiplied, not necessarily by creating more apostles, but it was going to be multiplied by everyone, by everyone being a proclaimer of the word of God. And so we, as the church, cannot miss this point if we're going to see people's lives change, if we're going to affect the world in which God has called us to live. You see, the Lord didn't call you to live in my world, and he didn't call me to live in your world. And so you've got friends that are not my friends and vice versa. That doesn't mean we're all enemies, but you've got influence in places that I have no influence. I've got influence in places that you have no influence. And so if we're going to see people's lives change, then we're going to have to reach the gospel or reach the world with the gospel. And it cannot be accomplished by leaders alone. We've got to reach everyone. Amen. It will, it will, if we're going to do that, it will be because everyone decides I've got to activate and engage myself. I believe that divinely appointed persecution had done its work and now the church was poised to reach a revival like never before, a harvest like never before. And so what began as a crisis has now shifted into this mass body of communicators. And I think that several things come to light as we consider this next phase of the New Testament church. The Bible says, therefore, they were scattered abroad and they went everywhere preaching the word. The early church was perceptive enough to understand that what had happened to them had happened to them with a purpose. There was a purpose. Like Joseph, like Joseph, they saw that God was in it. Joseph said this to his brothers in the wind-up of it all. That's not to say there wasn't seasons of confusion for Joseph, but in the wind-up of it all, Joseph had an aha moment. And he looked at his brothers and said, you meant this for evil, but God meant this for good. And it was hard to find the good in the pit. And it was hard to find the good in the prison. And it was hard to find the good in the dungeon. But it wasn't so hard to find the good when he was the second man in control in Egypt. You meant this for harm. But God was taking me to a place that none of us dared to dream. The early church saw the hand of God in this scattering. And that, that same perception is the perception that we have to have. And so here it is, succinctly, I hope, placed in all of our heart in our laps. That we are not where we are because of our education. We're not where we are because of our skill set. We're not where we are because of some gift we're not here because of some financial or professional decision that we made. We are here to serve in the kingdom of God. We're here to reach the world. And God, hear me tonight, God has placed his people, that's you and I, God has placed his people in various positions where he needs a witness. So if you're in law, God put you there to be a witness. If you're in medicine, God 
placed you there to be a witness. If you're in the, 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 the field of education in any capacity, God put you there because he said, I need a witness there. If you're a builder, God said, I'm placing you here because I need a voice here wherever you are. Amen. Whatever you're doing, it is the hand of God that placed you there and put me there. And we were there not because we were all of this or we were all of that. We were there and we are here because God said, I need a witness. Amen. The salt of the good news needs to be spread all over the world. I'm not talking about all around the globe and that's your single responsibility. I'm talking about all over your world. There ought not be one person that knows us that don't know we been baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins. Amen. And been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They don't need to pick that up through somebody else. They need to hear that themselves. Amen. Salt all over the other, all over the world. And so if you are a builder, can I tell you tonight, you're not a builder who happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian who happens to be a builder. Amen. You're, you're not a teacher. That, you hear me tonight. Amen. You're not a, a teacher that happens to be a Christian. You're a Christian that happens to be a teacher because God said, I'm gonna open this door and I'm gonna plant you there. I believe I could take a poll tonight and many people would say, I don't know how I wound up in the career I had. I don't know how I wound up in the business I did. Amen, but the hand of God. It just had to be the hand of God that opened the doors. It had to be the hand of God that opened that door. Praise God. I remember many years ago, our own son was applying for one of his first jobs and there were 80 some odd people that had filled out an application. Amen, this was back when people would fill out applications and actually would go to work. Amen, there were 80 some odd people. He had never done any of those things, but we made it a matter of prayer and somehow or another, somehow mystically, somehow we can't understand. No, no, no. We know why the phone rang. Amen. We know because it was the hand of God. That's not just his testimony. These testimonies are all over this house. You never dreamed you would be where you are. You never dreamed those doors would open up. It wasn't because you were six foot tall and bulletproof. It wasn't because the way you part your hair. No. God said, I need a witness. I've got a Samaria that needs a voice. I've got a Judea that needs a witness. I've got an uttermost part of the earth. I've got to have some salt there. I need some light there. I've got to have something. And so he filled you with the Holy Ghost. He gave you your ability. He gave you your gifts. He gave you your skills. Hallelujah. Why? It's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. By the whole church. Praise God. So we can't get our priorities mixed up. Start thinking we're all that. Amen. Because our first obligation is to serve God. Serve Him. This shift includes and included everyone in Acts 8 outside of the circle of the apostles. If I could say it this way, and I know you know me and you know my heart. But it happened outside of those that weren't the called and the titled and the anointed. I mean, everybody knew those 12 apostles. When they walked in, everybody gave honor to them. But God said, I'm going to call the every man and the any man. And I'm going to call the every lady and the any lady. This is, I'm going to make something abundantly clear. 
This has nothing to do with titles. This has nothing to do with position. This has nothing to do with nothing but the fact that you've been filled with my spirit. It was ordinary people with ordinary occupations. But they were sharing an extraordinary message. The Bible says in our text that they went everywhere preaching the word. God called them. They began in Jerusalem, but they extended that proclamation to Judea. And then that proclamation extended extended to Samaria. And then that proclamation extended to the uttermost part of the world. And so they understood that it was not enough to share with just one person here and there on occasion. But they've got to share the gospel with everyone at every opportunity. And you know, it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day grind that we miss opportunities. Oh, I've missed many, I've missed golden opportunities. So caught up. I'm not trying to sound super spiritual nor super carnal, but just so caught up in L-I-F-E until when I got away from the situation, I realized, wow. And in those moments, I pray, God, help me to be so sensitive. Help me to be more sensitive, less me-centered, and realize they were sharing the message that was pertinent to the needs of people. And I need to share a message that is pertinent to the needs of people. And so when we witness to people, we don't really just need to share with them about the latest and the greatest book we've read or something that we've, that we've watched or whatever. We need to share with them. That may be a great starting point, and certainly is, but we need to share with them the Word, the Word, not our Word, the Word of God. Amen. The death, burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They need to know that He died so that they could live. Amen. I'll ask our musicians to come. And while they're coming, I want to say just by way of reminder that we have a high and a holy calling to share the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. A high and a holy calling. In the world of Pentecost, which is the only church world I've ever been in, But in the world of Pentecost, we put so much emphasis upon the pulpit until I am afraid we have lost the emphasis of the pew. And that is what I am trying to gently correct here tonight, that we got to get this right. Because it is not your job to give somebody a business card and say you need to call this person or that person or this person But you have the power and the authority and the anointing of God. And you should have the know-how. Amen. The know-how. The high and holy calling of God is not only a command, but it's a privilege. But even more than that, it is news that others desperately need to hear. Amen. I'm not asking them to sing this, but... There's an old song that is heart-wrenching. It is piercing. An old song that says, you never mentioned Jesus to me. You helped me not the light to see. Amen. You could assess the condition that my life was in, but you never said anything. I don't want that or any rendering of that message to be told me. Oh, Amen. God, help us 
God help us. And so I believe that God is speaking to us tonight because eternal destinies are dependent upon it. Like the church in Jerusalem, many of us, if we're not careful, we're endangered of staying trapped in that salt shaker. Everything we need is right there. Just a few nights ago, what I needed was there. It was just out of reach. And I needed the courage to ask somebody to help close that gap. Amen. God is asking somebody in this house tonight to help close that gap because there's people. And I believe this, if you want to call this a word of prophecy, you call it whatever you want to, but I believe there are people that see the salt, but it's beyond their reach, and they just need somebody like you to help close that gap. Amen. God's given you influence where you have it because he wants you to close that gap. And so we got to break out of our comfort zone and break out of our complacency and take the time and the effort to meet and get to know people around us. And you may not be an evangelist, but God has not called everybody to be an evangelist, but he has called everyone, including you and I, to evangelize. So how can we fulfill this? Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm not going to leave you frustrated. So how can then we fulfill this high and holy calling? If indeed and in fact God has called me to do this, then how do I get from where I am to where I'm supposed to be? Amen. I will say this tonight, that while you may not feel comfortable enough to sit down and give someone an exhaustive Bible study, Amen. I believe we ought to know the truth and we ought to know how to rightly divide the word of truth. I realize there's varying personalities within the church and I'm not handing you a license and a get out of jail free card tonight, so please hear me. But if you're not comfortable enough to give somebody an exhaustive Bible study, if you can't do that, I'll tell you what you can do. You can share with them what you know. Amen. I don't think that we just skate out of this for nothing. And if, you, and if you, you don't study it, you won't know it. So we're obligated. And I will say, I think it was Brother J.H. Osborne that, that said this many years ago. I heard for the first time at least. It's, that it's not what we uh, know, but it's what we have the opportunity to know. And we say, well, I don't know how to do that, but you, we've got opportunities. The church has never had more tools ever in the history, ever, ever, ever in the history of the church have we ever had more tools in our hands? But I'll tell you what you can do. You can take them as far as you can take them, and you can certainly bring them to a place where they have the gospel communicated to them. You can invite them to a service, something designed for them. Amen. That is the message behind our connect groups. Just a few weeks ago, we had a connect group here on Saturday. Um, I'm not trying to praise one or the other. I just happened to be at home and a part, able to be a part of that one that day. Several people were here visiting that day on Saturday. And a great number of those same people were right here on Sunday. Amen. And so don't ever be defeated and don't ever feel defeated because, amen, the gospel was preached. The gospel was shared. And so that's why we're reaching with everything that we had. And you know what? There's Bible for what I'm saying. And so let me just 
close with this Bible portion of this. I believe that's exactly what Andrew did when he met Jesus. The Bible says that he went home and he got his brother, Simon Peter. And he said, you need to come meet a man. You need to come meet a man. It's what the woman at the well in Samaria did. She ran. She ran. I don't never met a man like this man. I've never experienced anything like this. She didn't go with her guns loaded saying, I got it. I understand it. Sit down. Let me break it all down to you succinctly. She just said, you got to meet a man. You got to meet this man. That's what Andrew did. He didn't know how to share everything with his brother, but he knew this. I'm going to take you to him. I'm going to invite him. Amen. I'm going to take you there and let the spirit and the power of God do its work. We are obligated. Can I tell you obligated? But I also want to tell you we are privileged. Privileged. What a privilege to be able to preach the gospel, share the gospel with someone. Amen. Can we lift our hands and our voices across this building? This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.